Welcome to the C Word Podcast. I'm your host, Beck Hughes. This is where creative meets business. Here we explore what it takes to harness your creative gifts and turn them into a thriving business. You can have a brand and business that allow you to create work that feels amazing to call yours, have clients you love serving, and live a life that feels like the only place you want to be. Hey there, welcome to the C Word Podcast. I'm so pleased you've decided to share some of your very precious time with me and listen to me chit-chatting away here. Today is a particularly good chit-chat because I have Eliza Ludwig from the Flow Society joining me. Now, Eliza is a wealth coach and her mission is to make entrepreneurship a viable career for women. She wants women to have access to wealth, development and a phenomenal career that enables them to do what they love on their terms. When she's not doing that, Eliza loves baking, lifting weights and has swapped raves for the spin studio since her children came along. Which is one of the things I love about Eliza is her love of dance music. Eliza is one of my favourite people actually. She's a client that has become a great friend and we always enjoy long DMs over lunch. This episode was actually going to be about making your numbers less of a creative drain. But it went much deeper than that and I love this convo with Eliza about her own values, how they influence what she does in business, for her clients and in life actually. This is all about how your values really are the glue that hold everything together and are very often what inform all your financial decisions from goal setting to your investments and how you price yourself. And if they're not, why they should be. It's a good one. I am so excited, Eliza, to have you here on the podcast, and I can't wait to have this conversation with you. Uh, So welcome. Thank you. I was so excited to talk to you today. It feels like, well, it kind of is a long time since we've properly talked. So yeah, excited. It is a long time. And we were just saying before we hit record that we're a bit sad that we can't be in the same room doing this, but this is the next best thing. Absolutely. (laughs) Now, I haven't given you any warning on this, Eliza, but this is a little bit of a um, cruel and unusual torture that I like to put all of my guests through, which is the quick fire warm up round. Mm. I tried to prepare, but yes, I'm not prepared. So let's, let's see what comes up. You can't prepare for this. This is the point. This, I want to, I want to make you uneasy. (laughs) I don't No, I don't. They're super easy questions. So are you ready? Hope so. Yeah. (laughs) What is your favorite color? Oh, easy one. Green. What is, this is a tough one. And I've asked myself this one on a podcast and I couldn't come up with one answer, but I'll ask you, what is your favorite book? I think something I go back to again and again is um, the Anne of Green Gables um, series. And I just, I feel like I go back to it at times of real uh, change. There's just something about going back to a book that you know um, and you've read so many times. It's sort of like, sort of balances out the change. Favourite food? My favourite food is salad. And people sort of can't believe it. And last night I was out to dinner with some friends and they were like, salad? 
This is a good one, Eliza. This might be one of my faves. Mm -hmm. What I want to know is one thing, and you can only pick one, Mm -hmm. one thing that annoys you. I think something that really annoys me is people who get really into the process, which is funny because I do like a process, but the process doesn't make any sense. So um, when we moved to Perth, which I think we'll talk about a bit later, um, I couldn't enroll my children into school because we didn't have a permanent address. Now we'd bought a house, we just hadn't settled. We had to go all the way to the education department and start a mediation process. And it was just like, you know, if it ends up that we have to move and we don't get this house and it doesn't settle, then we'll just move schools. But can we please get my children into school? Sticklers for a process. I completely get you. What's your creative outlet? Hmm. So one of my very first posts, actually, when I started my business in a previous incarnation was that my creative outlet is problem solving. So I'm a very lateral thinker. Client comes to me with a conundrum in their business, and I love thinking of creative ways to sort of solve that. I heard Elizabeth Gilbert say once about her now ex-husband, about how he remembers the day and the time that he stopped creating. And I remember it too. It was 1988. And I couldn't draw shoulders with the arms. And my sister said, you can't draw shoulders and arms. Like you've got that all wrong. And I have never drawn again. (laughs) The shame of not being able to draw a shoulder. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) It's, I am so happy that you use that example because I talk a fair bit about how we're all creative in our own way. And one of the things that always makes me a tiny bit sad is when people say to me, I haven't got a creative bone in my body. For me, creativity has lots of manifestations. Mm. It's not just going and grabbing a paintbrush and producing Mm. the next masterpiece or, you know, even writing a novel or any of those things. There are lots of ways to be creative. And it's funny what you said about um, a client saying to you, you know, I don't have a creative bone in my body. What I always have clients saying is I'm, I don't, I was terrible at maths. And I think in both instances, we are a lot better than we give ourselves credit for. But if I was to come in hard all the time with the numbers, it wouldn't be relevant or it wouldn't be interesting. And that is the key to making the numbers come alive and making people be a bit more excited about the numbers. You recently made quite a big move. So we both made a move at the same time. So we were both in Sydney and knew each other and, you know, we were friends. We still are friends, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though we now live on very different parts of Australia. So in a very similar time frame, I moved to Brisbane and mm-hmm. you made a big move with your family to Perth. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk to you about that in the context of why you made that decision and I suppose how your business afforded you to make that decision. I was born in the States. I lived there till I was 12. And then we moved to Perth. My dad grew up in Perth um, and my mum is South African. So I really don't, I have never really, I've really struggled with that feeling of home. And also coming here and starting school at age 12 or even going into high school or uni and people go, oh, I went to pre-primary with them or they were in my daycare or my parents are friends with them. And I never had that history with anyone. There was just this call to find my home and we kept moving in Sydney. Just nothing felt quite right. And my husband really did not want to move to Perth. From a financial point of view, it meant that my husband could take some time off 
and you know my dad lived here so it was so so many things I could still do my business we could be in a better financial position so we could sort of have a bit more freedom that we were really really craving and yeah just the lifestyle I can take my daughter to netball and it takes five minutes in Sydney even if though it was two suburbs away it would take an hour to get there and there was no parking so I could never watch and you know it's just all these layers of difficulty that you don't sort of realize and then you have this ease and this flow and you just go this is what I've wanted and so yeah it's been yeah. fantastic and look I think what you did there was really live what it is that you work with your clients on mm. in a, a way you you became sort of the embodiment of what it is that you do in the flow society mm. Mm. absolutely and it's interesting something uh, quite often my dad is not um, a huge talker really but he's just sort of got these little wise phrases and I would often go to him and say I don't know I just don't know I just don't know what to do about such a situation and he would say you do know you just have to have to have the bravery to do it and when I told my friends here in Perth that I was moving back or one specifically she goes you've been talking about that for years I was wondering when you were finally going to do it (laughs) and I hadn't even realized I'd said it out loud but I had obviously said what I knew I wanted to do a decade before we actually did it. So Eliza, we've we've said that you're a numbers person or certainly in the Flow Society, that's what you're about. Mm-hmm. And I know that you describe yourself as a wealth coach. So what I do want to talk about is some of the numbers stuff a little bit. Great, love it. Yay. <laughs> now we're getting the rubber hits the road. <laughs> what I wanted to talk about was financial goal setting. Mm. I'd love to get your perspective on maybe the bigger picture of financial goal setting? Yeah, I'd probably take even a step back. Um, And so the first thing I do with all of my clients is to actually ask them what their values are, to realize that the numbers that we hear on Instagram and podcasts and everywhere is all about, you know, oh, I'm a multi seven figure business owner or business coach. And I scaled my business to multiple six figures in a week. And that's when you, you buy the course because you see somebody who's achieved something that you think you want, follow it to the letter. And either you haven't achieved what you thought you would achieve, or you really hate it. And it's just because you haven't actually checked in with your values before, you know, going down that path. And it's the should word, isn't it? Mm. I should, I should be doing, I should have Mm. a six figure or seven figure business. I should be making this much each month. I should have this many clients. But if you go back to your values, really understanding where you are, where your values are, and therefore where to place your focus. So if it's family, then what are the things you can do in your business that will support that family? Maybe it is instead of um, one-to-one, maybe you start going into a group program. Even myself, sometimes I've had financial goals and I've realized that it isn't, it isn't about the numbers. It's about, I want to work with a really good number of people. I'm an introvert, so I like to connect very deeply with people. So therefore, group programs don't suit me. I could probably make more money, perhaps, if I did that, or I could scale more quickly, but it doesn't align with my values. What has struck me in when you were talking mm-hmm. was that sometimes I think we get right into the trenches when we're dealing with something, whether that be our finances or how we're going to grow a business, how we want to structure our products, what we're going to do if we rebrand or create a brand, what our content is going to be on social media, all of those things, all those questions that are thrown at us every day. Mm. But actually, when you break them down, every single one of those should start with your values. 
Yeah. Because if you're not clear on those, I don't think you can get a clear outcome on any of those things. In many ways, everything comes back to your values and what's important Mm. to you. So you were talking about values-led goal setting, Eliza. And I think this is a quite a good lead into something else I wanted to ask you about, which sort of made me gasp and laugh all at the same time, which was a recent post that you shared or story that you shared about how your accountant shamed you. Yes. So um, it's actually something that I hear a lot from other people as well. So I thought I would share my experience to really um, bring home the fact that it happens to all of us um, and to hopefully give people a little bit of confidence when this happens. So the story was that I went to my accountant and he said to me, you aren't taking your business seriously. I mean, when are you going to pull your finger out? Um, I think you mentioned it before. Why aren't you billing more? So when are you going to take your business seriously? And I just felt like such a fool. And I thought, oh, but, you know, my mindset was I've got, there's a lot of potential, the things that I have invested in. And I knew that the investments I had made were going to pay back, you know, for years to come. And I just was able to sort of have that confidence, not in the meeting, for for sure. I felt really embarrassed, quite, I remember flushing and feeling quite angry, actually, and embarrassed. Um, but on reflection, it's, it's um, he was wrong. He doesn't know my business as well as I do. And um, I just wanted to give people the confidence that if that does happen to you, that, you know, it's just one perspective. It, it, they are looking at it from such a narrow viewpoint and not sort of taking into account your values and the, the, the wider things that are happening within your business and your life. And um, those are really important too. They can't be, you can't pretend that you don't have a life as well as your business like it just doesn't work long term yeah and for me that touches on something which is really important to me in people's business and in my business and in how I work with my clients and that's intuition and that's Mm. being in touch with your intuition and that's not to say that you ignore all the input and the expertise that you have around you But that is to say that you can take that and you can process that. And then you should also apply your own gut feel and your values to that to to get the outcome that's right for you. There's not one answer. There's not one way of doing it. Okay. So speaking about values, because something else I love that you shared recently was how kindness in particular is a value that's really important to you. And it's important to you in your life and also in your business. So I wanted to ask you a bit about that and how that manifests itself, particularly in the way that you do things at the Flow Society. So I guess it's the antithesis or antithesis of um, what (laughs) happened with my accountant. (laughs) Um, Depends on where you put the emphasis. I don't want anyone, I know that people can feel intimidated by numbers and maybe feel they can't do maths or um, they're going to be shamed for what they don't know or shamed because they're not doing better or shamed because they're spending too much money. I want to meet people where they're at, support their goals and their dreams to really be able to also say, you know, if they want to invest in something, okay, how do we make that happen? Rather than say, no, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be spending that money. And I think a lot of people think that that's what I'm going to say. Oh, you should be cutting out, you know, loads of expenses. I want them to realize that spending money, you know, if it's in the places that you really want to be spending it, then I think that that's okay. And how do we support that financially? Is it through different offerings or is it changing your time, et cetera? I think it's great advice. And I think, again, it comes back to start with what it is that you want. And of course, that's contextual. We can't sort of say, well, what I want is to 
lie on a beach all day with mm. a cocktail and that's going to, I mean, I'm, I know that there are people out there that tell you that that can be your life, but mm. I'm convinced that's for the majority of us. Yeah. I think very often people put those kinds of softer values. Well, that's mm. something outside of my business. That's mm. not something that I can live within my business. Yeah. And it's not true. And I think Mm. acknowledging those and then working to see how you can thread those through your business yeah ultimately becomes so much more fulfilling anyway you create a business Mm -hmm. that's more sustainable because Mm. it actually does feel meaningful to you yeah we all know in our businesses that numbers are important Mm. and as creatives we probably want to spend most of our time on creativity and creating for our clients but we do have to give enough of our time an adequate amount of our time to the numbers Mm. we can't really get away with it or get away from it completely how do we balance the desire to spend time on creativity but also give time to our numbers without Mm. it being a constant worry I love this one thing I'll preface all of this by saying is that my mum always says data is addictive So I think it can be addictive to once you get into it or to believe that when you get into it, you have to get really, really into it and you have to spend weeks and months and have to be looking at things every single day. You don't. You could, but then you wouldn't be creating and you would then end up hating it. So I think my first sort of tip would be to just get a bit of education. Um, There's also, I I know you spoke about this on a previous podcast, this sort of real push to outsource sort of everything within your business. And yes, that's, that's true. You can outsource it. And I do, I do recommend that. And I do do it myself, but you still need to know the basics because otherwise you'll go to these meetings or you'll get these reports and you glaze over, get stressed and not do anything about it. If you just get a bit of education and you know what some of the key terms are, um, then you can really get those reports. You can scan them. It doesn't need to take you days and days. You can just sort of, you know what to look for. You look for those um, tick, 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 and then you can move on. And sometimes it's the worry about what it is rather than actually what it is. And I think we get so scared that our numbers are going to be terrible and we're going to be... um, you know, we're really embarrassed because actually we don't know what they mean and we don't know how to fix it. But once somebody tells you what the number is, even if it isn't what you wanted it to be, you go, right, okay, so what I can do about that is X, Y, Z, and you can get on with doing that. And it's such an empowering feeling. So I also alluded to this before, but just don't spend too much time on it. If you just go, right, okay, I'm going to schedule it into my diary and I'm just going to do it for half an hour, you know, bite-sized piece. You don't have to get to the bottom of every single, why is this 20 cents out from what you thought you paid, et cetera, just really quickly schedule half an hour, have a look at it um, and then move on. Um, And then another thing I would say is to sort of related to that is to sort of make it a game and a date. Say, right, I'm going to go for brunch at my favorite cafe. I'm going to have a coffee. It just makes it a lot more enjoyable and not such a, a, a onerous, awful task that you've got ahead of you. Nice. And I think by putting a cap on it, that also helps. I'm just going to do this for the hour it takes me to sit here, have my coffee, and there's an end point to it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And even if you don't do all of it, you feel really good because you've started it. Yeah, starting it is a really big one because I think of lots of parallels here with my own work, particularly Mm. creative work. And sometimes when you've got a big project, you sort of put off starting it because it just Mm. seems too overwhelming or Mm. where do I start? Mm -hmm. 
And I always do say to myself, I know that when I start this, it's just going to come and it's going to flow. And then I'll be kicking myself that I didn't start it sooner. You will have to address it eventually. So the longer you put it off, the longer the pain, really. I always think about this in in terms of my quarterly bass and my tax return at the end of the year. I always feel so much better when it's done. Now, as service providers, particularly creatives, something that I hear coming up quite regularly is how do I price my services? Mm. How do I put a number on essentially what is my time or what I do? So I wanted to ask you if you've got anything to share, any tips, any of your experiences with your clients Mm -hmm. that would help people when it comes to trying to establish what they should charge for their service. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it goes back to this um, values, to be honest, um, to begin with. So I will often see people who come and say, I really want to be accessible. I want everybody to be able to access my services. And so I don't want to increase my prices. But then you look at what they're actually doing within their business. Um, They're providing a lot of ongoing support. They're doing a lot of things for free. Uh, Scope creep. Um, They are offering, that person will then recommend them to somebody else and they offer even more of a discount. So although you think that you're being more accessible, what that actually means is that the people who are accessing you are getting a lower quality of your work and you're burning yourself out in the meantime. So um, although I, you know, I love supporting people where they are in terms of their values, I think those are sort of the next step questions that you need to ask yourself. Okay, so if I want to be accessible and I want to be cheaper, what can I take out? Maybe you do you you hire out overseas. That's the only way that you can remain at those low um, prices. And does that fit with you? And does that fit with your values? And if it doesn't, then you should be looking at putting your prices up. Yeah, look, I think that's so interesting is to price in such a way that allows you to do your best work mm-hmm. because if you undercharge let's start there mm-hmm. then very often as you say you're stretched therefore you can't do your best work so you, it might be coming from a good place and a values-based place where I don't want to charge too much but then if you're stretched maybe deep down you start to feel a bit resentful so therefore you're not in the right headspace to do your best work mm-hmm. so I suppose that's a slightly different way of looking at it is that ultimately, if what's important to you is to do your best work for your clients, then how would you price to allow you to do that? And that might not always be a low price solution. Uh Absolutely. Do you have a perspective, Eliza, on the idea of charging by the hour? Does that ever come up with your clients? So I think it's really important to occasionally do a a timesheet and I don't include just billable hours. I would also include the marketing that you're doing or, um, you know, responding to collaboration requests or, you know, social media, all of that sort of stuff. I think it's really important to check in with that occasionally because I think as much as there can be um, scope creep coming from the client, I think there's scope creep coming from ourselves sometimes too. We often they come in proposals, right? So you say how much the whole project is going to cost. And like you said, you think it's going to take you three hours, it actually takes you 10. It's really important to have a document of that, because um, we are, you know, ever optimists and really think that things take a lot quicker than they actually do take. So I do think it's important to get a view on that. But I also think it's important to um, charge per package, because one client, it might just all come through really, really quickly. 
your ideas, your words, all of that might flow really, really quickly. But for another client, it could be really a really long process. And it's not that none one should be charged double. Um, it's the same process. It's just that for, for whatever reason, things have come to you quicker. So I think they're both valued the same. They're both the same for the client. They still get the same thing in the output. Making sure that you aren't charging everybody for three hours and it's taking you a minimum of 10 and a maximum of 20. There's a couple of things there that you've said, which I think are really interesting and really important. Mm -hmm. And the first one is, I certainly have had this in the past as a creative that you might say, well, that package, I think probably takes me on average 20 hours. Mm -hmm. And then you do it in five hours. And then you feel a little bit guilty because you sort of go, well, I didn't do the time. I didn't put in the time to warrant charging that amount. The point is not the time that goes into it. The point is that you have the skill and the knowledge to deliver that great outcome, regardless of how long it takes you as service providers, whether that be creatives or anything else. It does help to have an hourly or a day rate. It does help as a starting point absolutely, as a way of pricing things. However, what's important is to think about what's in that day rate. What's that covering? Is that compensating you for all of your training mm. all of the time you've invested the costs in your business you know for me mm. I use certain programs that have a cost attached to them mm. very often mm. we might go well my time is worth x mm. but maybe we haven't factored in all those peripheral things yeah. that all come together to make up what you can output in that mm. hour yep Completely, completely agree. Um, and that's where it goes back to looking at your profit, not just your income. We can look at our, our hourly rate and sort of forget about all these other things that help you do a job faster. Is there any final words of wisdom, any aha moments for you in your business or during this conversation that you would like to share? Hmm. I suppose I sort of touched on it lightly before, but a lot of people come to me and say they don't, they weren't good at maths. They don't understand it. Um, I just want people to know you are good at maths <laughs> and you do understand it. Um, and sometimes it just takes a, somebody to, like you said, put a fresh pair of eyes on it or really bring those numbers to life to make you realize, oh, that's why that month was so um, busy. It was because that's something that always happens in that particular month um, or January is always dead because everyone's on holidays. You know a lot more than you think you know, I think is is what I want to say. And don't be scared to ask a question, I think is the other, other thing I would like to say. I get a lot of people saying, I'm so embarrassed that I don't know this. Don't feel embarrassed. Ask the question, you know, like my husband and his friends, they ask each other questions all the time about investments and what are they doing with this and what are they doing with that? And that's something that I think we don't do so much as women or we feel embarrassed that we should know. Um, ask a question. People love being asked questions, actually. So those would be my two. You know more than you think you know, which I think yep. is brilliant. And add yep. to your daily affirmations, I am good at maths. Yes. <laughs> yes, I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me, Eliza. I've loved this chat. Me too. Thanks. Thanks so much, Beck. Chat to you soon. Thank you so much for joining me, Beck Hughes, on the C Word podcast. If you like what you heard, subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends and business buddies who might like to listen in too. The music for this podcast is by Red Productions on Pixabay. <laughs>